I see so much opportunity for authentic, caring messaging grounded in the science. And you know, it isn't about you, it's about them. Think about your audience. Think about one member of your audience and what are they struggling with? I mean, it's, you know, find your niche, find your science, be a student for life, be caring, concerning, compassionate, thinking about those out there, out about your own needs, and don't quit. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio for Entrepreneurs. Firestart your own health movement. And now your host, founder of Juice Guru Institute and best-selling author, Steve Prusak. All right, well, welcome to another edition of Juicypreneur Radio. I'm your host, Steve Prusak. Great to be with you. And our guest today is Dr. Joel Kahn. He's a practicing cardiologist, clinical professor of medicine at Wayne State University School of Medicine, uh, known as America's Healthy Heart Doc. He's got a triple board certification in internal medicine, cardiovascular medicine, and interventional cardiology. Founded the Kahn Center for Cardiac Longevity in Bigham Farms, Michigan. And he's the author of, uh, of a bunch of books, Your Whole Heart Solution, Dead Execs Don't get bonuses and the plant-based solution among his sixth book is coming uh, soon and we'll hear more about that he owns green space and go a health restaurant in suburban detroit and serves as medical director of the largest plant support group in the usa www.pbnsg.org and he's a real underachiever let's welcome to the show right now dr joel khan <laughs> thank you here i am i appreciate that energetic introduction and uh yeah, uh, I'll take on lots of responsibilities and get most of it done every day. But uh, this is where I am right now. I'm centered, I'm focused, and let's talk juicepreneur. It's a great, great, great synergy of what you do and what I do with a health message. And there's plenty of room for all kinds of health messages as long as they're authentic. Definitely. Really excited to, to have you on the show and hear your story of how, you know, how it all started, what you were like growing up and how you chose this path of really fire starting the plant based revolution. So thank you for the work you're doing. Well, thank you very much. And, you know, we kind of had a moment or two of pre-discussing uh, mutual joys, but uh, I grew up outside Detroit. Uh, in the suburbs, uh, pretty typical upbringing with two pretty amazing parents. Uh, got into medical school at age 17 in the special program in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Pretty sweet deal. I kind of learned around then I was not a bad student uh, uh, at all. And within the first week of being up in Ann Arbor, I made a decision, I'm going plant-based. It was partly an amazing salad bar at the dormitory and a very, very awful alternative selection. Uh, I had never seen food as gray and as displeasing as what I saw every day. And literally within a week, I, I called it a salad bar-itarian, but it was pretty much a vegan lifestyle. I had this sweet little girlfriend who my first date, as we just talked about a minute ago, was a Bruce Springsteen concert when I was 16 and she was 15 in 1975. She had the same reaction and did the exact same decision. And that little girlfriend has been my wife for almost 39 years. And we've both been completely plant-based since 1977. And it was totally serendipity. It was totally dorm, awful food. I'll tell you two just follow-up stories. Uh, about four years ago in Lansing, Michigan, I'm giving a lecture to a thousand 
registered dietitians, the Michigan group of registered dietitians. And I'm kind of telling the story before I go deep into heart disease. And a man comes up to me after the lecture and he goes, you know, you owe me a big thank you. And I said, well, I don't know who you are, but thank you. What's the story? He goes, I was the food director at your dormitory when you were 17, 18 years old. And I can tell you, you made a really good decision. We had a dollar a day to feed you. And most of it actually went into the salad bar. You know, you're healthy, good decision. And, you know, that moved your career this way. So I became a cardiologist in Ann Arbor, in Dallas, Texas, in Kansas City. And I finished training in 1990, long ago. And for about three weeks, I was this macho cath lab, heart attack, stent, balloon. I knew my medicines. I knew all this technology. And I was uh, burning up the world back in Michigan when I finished my training. And then Dean Ornish, a name a lot of people know, Dean Ornish, MD in San Francisco, published a paper that you could take away plaque from arteries with diet, lifestyle, meditation. Uh, and fitness. And I said, well, this is amazing. I've been eating this way now for 13 years. There was very little medical science that really pertained to my practice at the point. But I really merged the two from 1990 on. If you needed a heart attack treatment, you got one. But I was talking to you about your diet all during that procedure, if you were awake, and usually you are. And uh, it really started to make a great impact. So I had this really like dual track, preventive, and crazy, aggressive, procedural, but uh, now I've shifted it all to, uh, you know, to the preventive nutrition, fitness, mind-body, you know, integrative side. Uh, but but I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. I've been in the operating room, you know, thousands of times, and it really is interesting. So it gives me a lot to talk about on books and, uh, you know, with patients. I'm 61 years old. I see patients every day. I love patient care. I see patients all over the world. All I'm trying to do is take away the bad stuff, put in the good stuff, you know, mind, body, spirit, and most of it, you know, related to food choices. Well, it's almost like you have a bunch of careers going on at the same time. It's amazing, really, when I think about it, because you're an author. I mean, you're an entrepreneur. You own restaurants. You, um, you know, you fire start the revolution. You've got the largest plant support group in the USA. Um, medical director, professor, all these things wrapped up into one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as long as you've mentioned it twice, I'll just give a shout out because anybody listening anywhere, you know, it's really important that you eat well. It's really important that you sleep well. It's really important you get fitness every day. Always, but we're learning even in this COVID-19 world that there may be some protective value to regular fitness. But, you know, group support right now, I don't like the word social distancing. I like the word physical distancing. And, you know, it's going to continue, uh, maybe not as extreme as we've seen it, but throughout the rest of 2020 into 2021, there's going to be some physical distancing. So, unfortunately, one of the greatest powers in humanity is social gathering. And, it, and we're learning maybe we can do it with technology rather than just, uh, you know, being close to other people. But in early 2014, an incredible gentleman in Detroit called me to say, you don't know me. My name is Paul. I was supposed to have bypass surgery in middle 2013. I was sitting at the Cleveland Clinic waiting to have my chest cracked the next morning, open heart bypass surgery. And one of the cardiologists came by late at night and said that we have a program here. And some people believe that it can actually reverse blockages by changing diet. And this brave gentleman said, 
are you out of your mind? I'd rather change my diet than have my chest bone cracked open tomorrow morning. And he left. He checked out of the Cleveland Clinic and he talked to Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn at the Cleveland Clinic the next morning rather than the heart surgeon. And by the time he called me, it was six months of a plant-perfect diet, no added salt, no added oil, no added sugar, whole foods. And he was like a new man. He had lost weight, cholesterol, blood pressure, all symptoms went away. Cardiologists were saying his stress test looked better. But what he came to me about was one simple question. It's lonely to be the only one in the group that doesn't reach for the donut, that doesn't reach for the uh, cheesecake or whatever the variability does, even in your own family, even at holidays. And he asked me, can we make a support group? You've got to have, he had done his research, you're plant-based forever. You've got to have other patients that you've taught about this. And I said, I do. And I've never actually really created a group of them. So we took a room in the hospital, February 2014, for about 25 people. And 135 people showed up. We don't know how. And we said, okay, we'll do it again next month. Gave a little lecture, gave a little rah-rah. And over 150 people showed up. And it just unlocked some pent-up need for people to have social support for choosing to uh, pick a very healthy diet that makes total sense, but it's still not the norm. So we ended up with a group now that's got over 7,000 people just in southeastern Michigan. Some are trying to lose weight. Some are fighting diabetes. Some are fighting heart disease. Some are looking for a date. Some are looking for cooking classes that we have. That website you mentioned, www.pbnsg.org, Plant based nutrition support group.org. There's just a vibrancy. We've had a shift at all to totally online. We always were strong online. And uh, every city in the United States of medium or large size should have a branch so that people can be amongst other people to support them. Like, you know, Weight Watchers, like AA, like 12-step, whatever the choice. Although we're picking not a, you know, we're not dealing, well, we're dealing with sort of food addiction and overcoming it with super healthy diets. So, there is a bit of an analogy there, but yeah, it's a great thing. Thank you for mentioning it. I've been talking about it, but it's so important in my uh, you know, kind of career and portfolio of things I've been able to help with a little bit. I mean, you could have had a, a more than successful career as just a cardiologist and doing all these other things. When did the light bulb go off along the journey? I mean, you you were eating this way. You read the study and you what what made you decide to merge it, merge it together and, you know, really become a leader in the movement? Yeah, it's kind of you to say that. And it was a couple of things. I mean, still during cardiology training, probably plant based for a decade already. A guy named John Robbins published a famous book called A Diet for a New America, sold a few million copies. And somebody handed it to me in about 1986 and said, you're eating this way. You probably should read this book. And I never really appreciated the discussions on the environment and uh, Rachel Carson, Silent Spring stuff in the 1960s. I'd never heard of all that stuff. And, you know, DDT and the rest. Um, and plus it talked about animal rights and animal cruelty and animal kindness. And then there was a bit of a scientific presentation, but it, it really was the medical part. When Dr. Dean Ornish showed really convincingly that if you will attend to your diet carefully, you can actually cause the disease that I had trained for you know, a decade to deal with. You can actually cause it to start to go away. Uh, that was the light bulb. You know, I want to do that. Plus, I want to do the other things I've been trained to do. And I've been lucky enough to kind of, I just say, I just got a bigger toolbox. Cardiologists are great. Everyone's great. 
but they don't have a nutrition toolbox usually. They don't have a sleep toolbox. They don't have a fitness toolbox. They don't have a, you know, kind of supplement integrative medicine toolbox. And it really becomes a joyful thing to see people get better when, you know, you can help them through a bunch of different things. I spend a lot of my time on sexual health, male sexual health, more than female. I just, by the nature of the beast, but you know, you're talking about quality of life and nobody's ever asked these guys, how's that part all going? So it all works out, you know, with an ability to help people. And that's really the greatest joy. What were some of the obstacles to get this all going? I mean, between growing a restaurant and managing your practice and moving from hospital to preventative practice, all these things, were there any uh, obstacles that you had overcome? Yeah, there are. And, you know, unfortunately, even to this day, um, 2020, it is not going to be easy for somebody to find a physician that brings up early in the interview, early in the visit, you know, lifestyle, nutrition, uh, you know, partly because, and I really, again, I never make fun of my colleagues, but if you visited majority, 90% of hospitals in America today, walked in the doctor's dining room, you're going to see sausage egg McMuffins and you're going to see, you know, mac and cheese and fried chicken. And it just, for reasons that are frankly partly infuriating, has not gotten into the mindset of, uh, you know, the medical world that, you know, the doctors should practice health. It's getting better and the young people are getting it more. Um, you know, it's not normative to be plant-based in medicine, even though you can talk about type 2 diabetes and brain disease and heart disease and sexual function and certain cancers and weight control and cholesterol control. You can just go down the list, now autoimmune disease, and say, this really is a therapy. It's just not normative. So at every stage in my career, from the 1980s, um, trying to eat plant-based in Dallas, Texas, as a cardiology trainee when everybody was eating ribs, I mean, it was tough. And Kansas City, when it was another rib strong city, KC Masterpiece Barbecue Sauce and all that. So there still are obstacles. Um, you know, I get patients all the time, I really would like a plant-based primary care physician. And I tell them, I think I know the people in the community. We have this plant-based support group, so it tends to gravitate. I said, I don't think you're going to find one very easily. And I don't know that you need one. But, you know, by all this time, we should just have, uh, you know, a real overwhelming number of plant-supportive physicians, nurses. Uh, you know, we've really been side-railed by the keto movement, by, you know, the paleo movement. They just somehow have a bit more energy, a bit more unity. Um, they sometimes give quick results. They don't give good long-term results. Plant-based diets give very good long-term results. And there is always, again, I mentioned it already, but food addiction. It's easy to be dairy addicted. Um, it's easy to be sugar addicted to, you know, sweets and beverages and baked goods. I don't know that we know that there's actually a meat addiction. There's just like culturally, it's something, particularly amongst guys, macho, macho about grilling and barbecuing, though you can grill a portobello and asparagus. So we have a long time to go, and I don't know if this COVID-19 zoonotic it was the meat markets and you know, unfortunately a lot of these meat industry um you know places are actually closing down because of infections and in the workers i'm not happy about that i don't want people ill but maybe there'll be a little more awareness about this nexus between where we get our food and what our food is our health and the world health 
maybe we'll see, you know, all the scientific knowledge we have applied a bit more, but I'd like to believe that, but I got a feeling when we reopen the economy and reopen, you know, everything, it's still going to be steakhouse after steakhouse with maybe, you know, one plant-based restaurant every 10 miles, uh, not every, you know, three blocks. Do you think we're further along with all this? Like when you look around and see the awareness about more plant foods, you know, from when you were doing it at the beginning, are you seeing that it's bigger than you thought it might have been? Yeah, if I would have walked around in 1980 with a hat saying, make America vegan again or something, <laughs> nobody would have known I was talking about it, would have gotten no attention. You know, now it, now it engenders a debate, but at least people are aware of it. And certainly things like, um, you know, the Game Changers movie in late 2019 and, you know, what the health in 2017 and Forks Over Knives documentary in 2011. and you know, the books and there's a few, you know, plant-based cooking shows on some of the channels and mainly I'd say like the athletes, the Tennessee Titans and the tennis pros and some, you know, there's clearly an awareness. I think the young people, if not completely plant-based are much more open to the idea, you know, we can do plant-based most of the nights and, you know, little flexibility the other nights, which is fine. I'm all for completely. I mean, I'm a hundred percent plant-based for 43 years. So, I'm not dead yet, um, and you're not going to be dead yet either if you do it right, which is really eating whole plant foods, including juices. Uh, I'm all for juicing. Some of my medical colleagues, you know, say you're stripping out the fiber and this and that. And my God, America's drinking Coca-Cola and, you know, and Pepsi and uh, Mountain Dew. And you're telling me that a green juice isn't ideal for the body. I'll take a green juice. I was very influenced by Joe Cross about a decade ago and had the opportunity to work with him a little bit, um, you know, and uh, fat, sick, and nearly dead. And uh, God, I, I pushed my patients to a beautiful, beautiful juice drink uh, to just, you know, increase their phytonutrient intake, their mineral intake, and their trace mineral intake. Also, anyways, yeah, I think the young people will keep the, you know, steamroller going. I wish it was much quicker. And my, my biggest disappointment is, you would think the health community, the hospitals and the doctors would lead this charge. It's actually sort of the food industry leading the charge. You know, companies like Smithfield and Tyson and Kraft and the big giants that are buying into some of the plant-based startups, which I think ultimately is a great thing because uh, we need it on the shelf of every grocery store in America, just not the most exclusive boutique uh, markets. So, um, you know, I love that there's like amazing companies that are 100% plant-based from the start, but I want McDonald's to have five vegan choices. And I want, you know, Burger King's got sort of one or two and Taco Bell has more than most in Chipotle. But, you know, when it's easy to go anywhere and it's reasonably good quality, of course, if I, you know, it's just, you got to be practical. If you draw the line, it's got to be the best quality or don't do it it's never going to reach most of America. I want to reach most of America. So bring it on fast food, plant-based food, you know, and upper quality plant-based food, but let's have lots of choices. Yeah. That was clearly part of your plan, right? To start writing books and becoming a speaker and getting this message out. Really? What, what was that plan to inspire more people to go down this path? Sure. You know, and really it's always based in science. 
Um, I knew the science and the science is powerful. I mean, nobody hears the word reverse. Reverse is a powerful word. You have heart disease and there's science that suggests you can try and reverse it. I'm not going to guarantee, but you can try and reverse it. You have type two diabetes for a year or two. And who's going to tell a patient they can reverse that and get off medication? What they're going to hear, of course, is you can renew your medication or rheumatoid arthritis or asthma or psoriasis. I mean, Give a person a chance, even if you just hand them a book or a YouTube or something to give them a chance to get started. Um, it's powerful stuff. Yeah. So that really motivated me. I looked around and I said, how many MDs and how many cardiology MDs are you know, on social media and writing books? I didn't see many. Um, and so, and particularly with the background I had in very aggressive cardiology, I mean, I was talking coming from the real trenches and there's others, but uh, there weren't a lot. So yeah, you know, once I learned I had the ability to write a little bit, uh, I figured, you know what, I'm going to try and, you know, put out the broadest message I can. And if one person listening today, even right now says, you know, that's cool. I'm going to go read more about diabetes reversal or psoriasis reversal, or rheumatoid arthritis reversal, or lupus reversal, or chronic kidney disease reversal. You know, being sick isn't fun. There's this quotation, if you have your health, you have a thousand dreams. And if you have poor health, you have only one dream of getting it back. If I can help, you know, one person a week realize that they have the power to potentially get their health back, you know, my week went well. I mean, that's really what turns me on more than Because... 2020, 2021, I sit with patients who've had heart disease for 20 years, and I ask one question, has any of your doctors talked to you about your nutrition, urge you to watch Forks Over Knives, urge you to read a book by Dr. Ornish or something? And, you know, they look at me like, what are those words you just said? And you know, that's just unfortunate. You know, that's the best part of the internet is that people can actually stumble across this stuff and, you know, find it on their own. Well, you're clearly, I mean, would you define yourself as an entrepreneur with all these other endeavors on top of it? Yeah, like not a really good one. Um, but I, you know, I, you know, the restaurant business is about as tough as an industry as exists. Um, but I don't mind failing. I want to swing the bat once in a while and uh, give it a try. So, you know, the food industry captivates me because at the end of the day, you know, again, one of the benefits amongst a very difficult time with this coronavirus 2020 is that people are possibly cooking more at home and regaining a few skills where everything was outsourced to restaurants and carry out and vending machines and all. So, I mean, you know, there is a chance that people are going to keep that skill going. Uh, you know, the economy isn't really vibrant and you spend more money in restaurants. As a restaurant owner, those are bad things to say. They're just the truth. So, um, yeah, the food industry, you know, we have to make it easy for people to make the right decision, whether it's home cooked meals, really healthy carry out meals, really healthy prepared meals. This is still a very important part of the food industry that is just still in its infancy in terms of plant based options. Um, yeah, I'd rather work for myself than work for somebody else. And I've taken my hits for doing that. And, uh, you know, at this moment, I run my own practice solo. I had a really good time with lots of partners, but you know, you don't take risks when you're in a big group. I'm taking risks every day, but you enjoy the rewards and same thing with the restaurant industry and same thing with a few other endeavors. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, as I said, I'm 61, but I've got enormous energy and 
I don't even think like I've really started sometimes. I really, you know, I have, I don't, I don't even know what that word retire is. You know, I want to, you know, I'm not tired. I don't want to retire. I want to keep teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching. Cause again, even if one person hears it, that's a beautiful thing. Well, you scaled down, right? Cause green space you had, was it three different establishments with that? Yeah, we had a food truck in Austin, Texas, and I'm very proud to say two amazing young Detroit entrepreneurs moved the truck down there and developed an amazing business. And we sold the truck to them and it's thriving. If you're in Austin, Texas, go visit ATX Food Co. Food Truck on Lamar in Austin, a great city. But, you know, the physical distance, I just couldn't keep, you know, primary ownership myself. So that was a real win in terms of just a good thing to do and such. But we did have a big restaurant in Detroit and um, built a beautiful 4,000 square foot large restaurant plant-based with a bar. And in January, 2020, as a family group, it was my wife, my son and I, because it was a very much a family business. And it was taking an enormous amount. My son, 90 hours a week. My wife, 20, 30 hours a week. Me, 20, 30, 40 hours a week after practice. Uh, it was lease renewal time. We decided not to renew the lease. Uh, I didn't know that every restaurant in America was about to shut down for a period of time. I mean, didn't have some amazing insight, but yeah, we're out of the big one. Um, you know, it's an interesting question and everything's different now. But if you ask the question in January 2020, you know, when I opened a restaurant five years ago, there was no Beyond Meat Burger. There was no Impossible Burger. And you can name many of the other companies. Not that they're necessarily the healthiest choice in the world, but all of a sudden, every restaurant to our right and our left and across the street had a plant-based burger and a plant-based you know, option. And that's a good thing overall in terms of animal cruelty, in terms of the environment, in terms of you know, some of the advantages of eating a plant-based burger and such. Uh, but it changed the dynamics of the restaurant industry. So I don't know if you need super large, 100% plant-based restaurants and if you do, maybe you need them only in New York and L.A. where there's really going to be large communities to support them. But um, nonetheless, uh, yeah, so we've scaled down a little bit, um, but not done. We'll fight back. Now, with all this, this body of work, what achievement are you most proud of? In a very honest and humble way, I'm extremely proud. I mean, I'm married once for 39 years and still ongoing strong to a wonderful woman. We've raised three great kids. They all have either spouses or significant others. Uh, they have, you know, wonderful and interesting careers. Hasn't all been easy, but um, that's really important to me. Um, I'm very proud of people that literally are walking around because of some crazy wacko procedure I did at three in the morning, uh, seven years ago or 17 years ago or 27 years ago, these things really do impact. And then finally, you know, people that I've been able to touch firsthand or at a distance. I mean, uh, you know, we all try and do what we can do, but you know, people come up to me or email me or text me, you know, I heard a talk you gave. I saw YouTube. I, you know, follow you on Twitter and I just started to eat healthier and voila, I'm 50 pounds lighter and I got off my drugs and I feel great. I mean, these things actually do happen, you know, with some frequency. So, I mean, you know, it, we all want to do good. I mean, it's um, Thich Nhat Hanh or uh, I'm blanking, I, you know, some other really like, you know, thought leaders that are 
thousands of times beyond me, but you know, the greatest gift in the world is doing something to help another person. And having the chance to do that once in a while is just, you know, really does groove me more than anything. And that's, you know, that's the main reason to keep going is to touch, just touch more people. And I don't want to sound so noble or anything, but that is the beauty of being in the medical world is it does give you such, you know, intimate access to people and the potential to impact their life. So uh, I'm going to keep doing it. And what was the biggest transformation that's happened? Humility, tolerance, you know, I never was a screamer or this and that, but I am a little more Hakuna Matata. Uh, maybe I was in the past. Um, you know, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them eat plants or sprouts or green juice all the time. And, you know, being patient with people and all the rest, uh, I didn't, again, I didn't have a temper, but nonetheless, in reality, there's some people you'd like to help and like to transform, and they're just not there yet. That, that Prochaska theory of uh, psychology of people, you know, if they're not quite ready, all you can do is wait for them and all the rest. So, uh, you know, that's been a transformation. Um, and I would say, finally, I started out, I mean, I was a cardiologist and I was plant-based. About 10 years ago, I really searched hard and found a program in integrative medicine, integrative cardiology. Because I believe the strongest medicine in the world is to adopt a clean, whole food, plant diet. Lots and lots of juicing is gonna make me very happy. But it's not the only thing. You need to figure out how to sleep well, which is a challenge in 2020, 2021. You need to you know, figure out how to fit fitness in your life most every day of life. You need to manage stress, which is really, really challenging nowadays. Uh, and there's role for nutritional supplements and all. There's science. People think it's a bunch of voodoo. So I'm, you know, I live by this little credo, be open-minded and not so open-minded, your brains fall out. So, I mean, I'll go deep into traditional Chinese medicine or read some on Ayurvedic medicine or read some on crystals or read on infrared sauna. And, you know, I'm going to really try and stick to the science whenever I can. But people criticize me, you know, man, you know, you're veered a long way from your university professorship. <laughs> Look at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the business of trying to help people and not everybody needs, you know, uh, another prescription. I'm looking for pathways. So, you know, that's, a, again, that's a, a transformation. It's just constant drive to be a student. Love it. And so I was going to say about the future, you've got, so you've got another book coming, your sixth book, Lipoprotein. When's that coming out? Yeah, that will be out any day. And, uh, you know, all the big sellers, it's, it's published by a really nice, small, uh, often plant-based publishing company, Lipoprotein, little a, the heart's quiet killer. And I'll give you exactly two minutes. You know, everybody's heard of cholesterol, HDL, LDL, triglycerides. One of the more important predictors if you're going to develop stroke, heart attack or not, along with blood sugar, blood pressure, smoking, and family history. Well, there's this quiet little molecule in the blood called lipoprotein little a. And it's crazy. It's a lowercase a to distinguish it from a capital A. Just whoever named all these cholesterol particles 50 years ago didn't do a very good marketing job. Lipoprotein little a. And 25 to 30% of us inherit from our parents a kind of cholesterol that can cause heart attack, stroke, and heart valve damage requiring surgery. 
And not one doctor in a hundred right now in America checks his blood test, even though it's just one little box on the lab sheet and costs about $30. And there's been 60 years of science saying that this is an important addition to our evaluation of patient health and a way to uh, start to work on avoiding heart attack, stroke, and such. So I'm by no means the only physician, but I've just been noisy, noisy, noisy. I'll just give one example. Three years ago, many people remember the trainer from the Biggest Loser TV show, Bob Harper, who was the uh, you know uh, pair to Jillian Michaels, um, had a massive heart attack at a health club in New York City and almost died. He had a cardiac arrest. He had an emergency procedure. And about two, three months later on national TV, he announced, I found out why I had a heart attack at age 51. I inherited lipoprotein little a from my parents. It had never been checked. And now I'm working hard to keep it under control and keep everything under control. Well, if he can have that happen as one of the more fit people in America, anybody can have that happen. And, you know, there's people every day that have heart attack, strokes, or die and uh, possibly could have had some opportunity to change things if they'd known about it. So, yeah, I wrote the first book by a doctor in the world on a on the most common genetic cholesterol problem that people can face. It's very important. All you got to do, ask your doctor, can you please check my lipoprotein middle A? Go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Nobles, go find the book, lipoprotein middle A, The Heart's Quiet Killer. You'll see I have a little section on Amazon because I've written a few books, Joel Kahn. But thank you for bringing that up. Well, and does a whole food plant-based diet help with something like that or no? Well, it turns out the book is half science and half recipes. And of course, they're all whole food plant-based delicious recipes that a recipe maker, Beverly Bennett, who I'm friends with, contributed because there is some evidence that part of the solution to dealing with this very common genetic heart cholesterol problem is a whole food plant-based approach. So it's just another reason to not wait right now. Get out your juicer, get out your cucumbers, get out your cilantro, whatever you like to put in there, get your ginger out, do that, get some other plant-based foods and uh, it'll address, you know, almost all the reasons people get heart disease. Is there anything else you haven't done as far as professionally at this point or any other plans or visions that you want to see manifest? Oh, you know, the comic in me says, I, you know, I haven't uh, hang glided, uh, jumped out of an airplane or streaked through a uh, sports arena, you know, with a banner saying eat plants. And I don't think I'm going to do any of those. Um, you know, I love, to be very honest, I love interviews. I love TV interviews. I um, love video. And, you know, I do all that, but there's room for more. Um, so, yeah, I've been very, very lucky to be invited on. You know, it's a little bit uh, wild times right now to say Dr. Oz and Dr. Phil's show because they've stepped in a bit of the COVID poop in social media uh, a bit. But, um, you know, I've been on the doctor's show in Los Angeles dozens of times. And, you know, again, that's millions of people. And if you want to try and teach health, uh, it's pretty nice to be able to reach millions of people every once in a while. So that's all been good stuff. I, I mean, there's not going to be a Dr. Joel Kahn TV show anytime soon, but um, you know, having the ability to make an impact a large number of people is, is really a drug. That's no, it's like Mick Jagger on stage. I mean, it's the same reason he gets up there and does that. It's, it's people influence, joy, messaging, and, uh, good stuff. 
Yeah, well, we know Bruce Springsteen has gone more plant-based, so I'm sure he could use some assistance from you, maybe a little one-on-one at the barn. Can you please set that up? <laughs> there was um there's a there's an online company where you like can have your dream event. And I saw it, it was for charity. It was to have a lasagna dinner at Springsteen's house. With I saw that too. Yeah. Daddy. But I think an auction for $250,000. So sad to say that was not my uh, opportunity uh, to uh, meet the boss. So. Yeah. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to eat it. <laughs> well, I, I do. I, I would have had to reach out somehow. I'll tell you one other funny story, but to communicate somehow that like, can you please make a uh, cheeseless, meatless uh, lasagna? Uh, I decided that you talk about how difficult it was in the day. I won a award for doing medical research in um, Ann Arbor in my residency. We're talking about 1984. And I had done some nice research and we were going to Washington, D.C. I wanted to accept the award at a medical meeting. And you were able to invite your chairman of the Department of Internal Medicine. So here I am, 24 years old, and I'm inviting a guy who's written more textbooks and is known around the world. He's kind of a tough Southern guy, but I liked him. So he comes with me and we go to the Hubert Humphrey Dining Room at the Senate Building to have this award ceremony. And it is the fanciest dinner I've ever been to in my life. There's French service and silver domes. All your tax dollars are going into these you know, amazing uh, French uh, service. And they pull the dome off for the chief of medicine next to me. And it's, you know, like a rack of lamb and somebody's carving it for him. Well, I had called ahead and I said, I'm a plant-based eater and I need an alternative. And they pulled the dome off. And I swear it was a Mrs. Paul's fish and chips. They'd taken the fish out. So they just left chips, peas, and green beans in the, in the tin, in the tin holder. And if you want to say like, when were you going to give up plant-based eating and go back to quote normal, that would have been a good occasion. But you know, my chief of medicine looked over me and said, do you want my steak knife for those peas? And I said, no, I think I, think I can get through them with my fork. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. So, uh, yeah, there's a few, uh, you know, challenges along the way. It's all gotten better. And thank you for the work you do because you know, you're making your message, your teaching is uh, bringing, you know, more people into the health world. And that's what we need. We need a team. Thank you for that. And your website, again, Dr. Khan can be found at www.drjoelkhan.com. Is that the best place? You're also on social media, I know. Yeah. You know, if you go, again, D-R-J-O-E-L-K-A-H-N.com. But yeah, that will take you to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. You know, articles, clinic, uh, all kinds of fun things. Uh, you know, I'm just still as is, is, is obvious, fascinated by learning, learning, learning. And, you know, things change. Pendulum swing. Nuts are good. Nuts are bad. Olive oil is good. Olive oil is bad. Avocados just now. So, um, I, I tend to be more on the side of, uh, healthy whole fats are okay for most of us. So, uh, uh that puts some people off when I say that, but, uh, that is the science. And your outlook for the coronavirus, how do we stay sane and keep building our immune system and, you know, weather the storm? Any advice from you? Yeah, shut down the meat markets, the meat industry, you know, stop eating wild animals, stop mistreating wild animals. Um, uh, yeah, I think we're, you know, I like the term physical distancing because we really can't social distance. We have to stay connected. We have to be, you know, in support groups and there may be Zoom support groups and Skype support groups and 
other modalities, we need to have human, you know, we really need human touch, but we certainly need human connection, support and kindness. So um, it has disrupted, you know, so dramatically life. I mean, I live in Detroit and the car industry has pretty much been shut down. I mean, who could imagine you'd think it'd be some foreign enemy in a war, but it's, it's, you know, an infectious war, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm okay. I'll wear a mask for the rest of 2020 just to get back out there and see the sunshine and fresh air. You know, we got to enjoy nature, you know, nature, sunshine is part of the solution. Vitamin D is part of the solution. And, uh, you know, uh, we need to reopen at least the ability to enjoy our parks and our sidewalks and our waterways and all the rest. So, Dr. Khan, what's your advice for those that are just starting out that want to inspire their own movement and really help to get the message of health out to a large audience? If you were starting all over again or what kind of advice would you have for those just starting out? Yeah, you know, it's um, what strikes me is there's kind of a duality. On the one hand, there's a whole lot of noises, people, websites and YouTubes and blogs, and you might say, man, I'm going to get lost in the sea. But on the other hand, I see so much opportunity for authentic, caring messaging grounded in the science. And, you know, it isn't about you. It's about them. Think about your audience. Think about one member of your audience. And what are they struggling with? Fatigue or a family history of heart disease or weight issues or uh, you know, concern about are they going to have the energy to work long enough to support their family and energy and fatigue issues. So, I mean, it's, you know, find your niche, find your science, be a student for life, be caring, concerning, compassionate, thinking about those out there, not about your own needs. And don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. You know, so, I mean, I've been at this, you know, really in practice over 30 years and in medical training, really 40 plus. But there's not a day I don't read new articles, new materials, uh, trying to learn more science, trying to become better at what I do, and then trying to translate it in a way that somebody out there, I don't care if it's just an old story about the um, starfish and the boy on the on the beach throwing them back one at a time and the old man saying, you know, that's really a waste of time. They're not going to make it. And, he takes one starfish and throws it back and said, you know, it mattered to that one. You know, it, if you got an audience of 101 person really resonates with your health message, uh, that's a victory. That's important. And uh, if you're at it, it'll be more and many more than just one at a time. But, you know, that's really what your focus is. One, one person out there that needs your story, needs your inspiration and just keep plugging away there are no overnight successes overnight successes are 10-year journeys with a lot of setbacks and a lot of opportunities to quit so you can't quit great advice dr joel khan right here on juicy entrepreneur radio dr khan thank you so much for being here and the incredible work you're doing we really appreciate your journey uh have me back anytime i'm proud of you too thank you much love dr joel khan right here on juicy entrepreneur radio Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio for Entrepreneurs. Visit JuiceGuru.com to learn more and start building your health empire today. 